we're uh, joined by Jerry Creighton, all the way from a lion near Abu Dhabi. Um, uh, we're going to have a little chat about being a zookeeper and his new book and what he's doing at the moment all, all the way over there. Hiya, Jerry. How are you? Hi, hi Fiona. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's it's great to be able to talk to uh, the students. You know, it's a passion of mine too. One of the, the great things about being a, a, a zookeeper is is the you're constantly talking to people and interacting with people. And that's something I really enjoy, uh, particularly, you know, the next generation of students. And, they're, they're, you know, people are so interested in about what it takes to become a zookeeper, what it involves and, and the role of the modern zoo. So thankfully, it's changed. Um, it, it's changed so much from the time when I was a, a young zookeeper. Like I was lucky enough to to start my career with my dad. He, I was a second generation zookeeper and I was going up to the zoo from the time I was five, six years old. But now, like, you know, education is a key part of it. You know, it's a key part of of, of even starting off in the zoo. Um, you know, obviously, you know, biology is, is an excellent. Zoology um, is, is obviously a great um, science to follow, you know, but zoology and zookeeping are very different. I have to stress it's not a necessary, you know, necessary. It's not a, a, a sticking point. If you don't have zoology, it doesn't mean you don't be a zookeeper. For for to be a zookeeper, um, the main keeper course is done with Sparshald College in Hampshire. And that's recognized by both BIASA, which is the British and Irish Association of Zoos and Aquariums. And it's also recognized by Dublin Zoo as the, the intro into zookeeping. And that, that would cover like really interesting topics. Um, it's not it's not that you're sitting down, you know, studying really hard scientific stuff. It's not. It's understanding population management. In other mm -hmm. words, breeding programs for zoos. You know, it's um, a lot of people don't realize that even though we have endangered species in, in zoos, it's not a case that you can continue to breed them and breed them and breed them because there's only a certain amount of institutions that can hold them. There's only a certain amount of genetics. So you have to understand the genetics. And for example, like for every endangered species that's part of an international breeding program, there's a stud bookkeeper who would know all the animals in Europe and would say like the Dublin lion goes with the London lion because of genetics and, and all those reasons. So the course, the, the Sparshall course, which is, you know, a, a zoo animal management course, specifically trains you on that habitats planting you know planting is a very important feature for natural habitats nowadays and dublin zoo has done an incredible job from the time when i started where when I mean, this is all stuff that i depict in my book to uh, where it was cages and confinement and bars and steel to these incredibly open you know lush uh, vegetation and trees mm. and seasonal variations so you learn all about planting uh, training, you know, training animals is a really, really important one to do. And I'd even say, like, you know, if you had in your transition year or if you were interested in going forward with zookeeping, training animals is key. And this is one of the jobs I'm doing here in, in the UAE in Alliance. I'm training the elephants for foot care on a voluntary basis using a reward-based system. So I stand in front of the elephant. There's a protective contact wall. Now, it's not a wall as we would imagine. It's a steel frame. But the elephant is on one side. I'm on the other. But there's foot ports. There's ear ports where I can train the elephant using target sticks. So how you start off the process is you touch the elephant's head. You throw a piece of apple on the ground. You touch the elephant's head. You, you do this consecutively. Then one time you stop. And then the elephant says, oh, well, I'm not getting my apple. So he moves his head forward. Ah, then all of a sudden he's in the game for training. So he realizes, ah, every time I touch that target, I get a reward. 
So mm. then you can introduce it to different body parts. So if I was a transition year student and I and I and I had some spare time, learn about training animals because if you came to me and you were I was interviewing you for a trainee keeper job and you said I really understand the basics of positive reinforcement training and it doesn't matter if it's an earwig or an elephant, everything can be trained. And it's no different to training a dog or a cat even or to an elephant. It's all positive reinforcement. So in that course, that, that zookeeper course, these are the kind of topics that are co excuse me, covered. You know, understanding the philosophy, people engagement, you know, education, the role of conservation and, and education in a, in a modern zoo, you know, its contribution to situ pro, pro, you know, promoting conservation at home and in the wild. So that is the main the main course, you know. For, for animals. So Sparshall College, Hampshire. The, guy, the guys can look it up if they want to find out more about it. Yeah, what we'll, we'll do, we'll pop, we'll pop some details in the bio yeah. for, for the podcast as well. So, and links to where you're recommending yeah. to have a look as well. Absolutely. They go along with that. But, you know, and then the next question is like people ask me, well, you know, tell us about working in, in, in a zoo and what's it like? And I can honestly say I worked in Dublin Zoo for 37 years, Fiona. That's when they 37 years paid. I was getting I was there since I was a baby. <laughs> and I don't ever remember in that 37 years not wanting to go to work. Yeah. And that is the truth. And I and I honestly say that hand on my heart because animals, when you work with them, obviously you be, you you develop relationships and, and then you have animals like that, you know, are relying on you, their empathy, their emotional intelligence. They need you. And you, you need them to because it comes part of part of your life. So I, I've never but not look not look forward to going into work. It's a challenging job, you know, it's it's an emotional job. You know, people often say to me, Well, what's the mortality rate at the zoo? Well, I say it's a hundred percent. Everything dies at some point, but it's how we manage it and how we take care of it. And you know, you I've had relationships with, with uh with animals that I've have I've had longer with people. I, I know that it's incredible. And you know, you, you would have animals there like there was examples an old chimpanzee in Dublin Zoo, Wendy. And she was in the zoo since 1962. My dad looked after her. I looked after her. My brother, we all worked for her. And then eventually she passed away at the age of, you know, she was in her, in her late 50s, um, which is a, wow. a, 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 a super age. But, you know, very emotional, you know, and you, mm. you, you, have to, you, have to, you have to try to develop that professional detachment. But it's very hard, you know, you, you, when, when your life comes and goes and, you know, new births, though, it's a huge celebration. The highs and, like, you know, I remember Asha, which was the first Asian elephant born at Dublin Zoo, being there and uh i probably shouldn't say this but i was probably more excited than i was for my own two kids but that's uh <laughs> not really <laughs> it's but, a different know, kind no, of excitement jerry yeah exactly no it, it's a different kind of excitement exactly and then running home but it's it you know to see that you know and to see particularly with the elephants because we had changed so much on, on, on how we take care of them. We no longer shared space with them. We didn't dominate them. We managed them, you know, in a really a kind way. And to see all our efforts coming to fruition and, and this baby arriving after 22 months gestation in its mom's belly and stumbling to this beautiful sand floor that we had created and it's standing and walking two minutes after being born was just breathtaking. And, you know, so you see you see some incredible... And, I, and then the people aspect of it, I love... You know, I think it really is good to be a zookeeper and have a little bit of an outgoing personality and like being around people. 
because you know you you you, you know, on a busy day at Dublin Zoo, for example, you could have fourteen thousand people in, and we were all so well all so well known, and even me, particularly me too, from the Zoo TV program, which you know everyone wants to say hello, which is wonderful. But yeah, I love that. I'd never get bored of that. I think it's 30, 30, you still 40, have a job to do. <laughs> yeah, but he has still 30, 40 seconds to talk to people and answer a question, and so you know it's good to be a people person too when when you're in in particularly a zoo. It's not necessity, but you know you certain people can still be introverts, and that's fine. But, you know, you do get to engage with people a lot. And then, you know, when you get to the sorry, go ahead. So when you when so, you, so obviously you were saying like your second generation, your brother is also a zookeeper or worked in the zoo as well. Um, and and you have and together as a family, the tree, you know, you have created an extra special bond that you wouldn't normally have. Like, you know, it would be the same. It wouldn't exactly be the same as a. Uh, father and two sons working on a building site. There's not the, the same kind of uh, love no. there. But you you know anybody that has uh, a family business or they're working together and uh, from from a young age. So like you said, you've been there since you were zero. So you've seen different aspects of the zoo. To the way I would see it with my family or you know anybody that's visiting the zoo, mm. you would see behind the behind the doors and like we've all seen the changes and there's amazing changes happening at the moment uh with the new you know uh the rebuild of the 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 big ma- mansion there yeah, and yeah. The, there's always new vegetation and everything but you obviously weren't a zookeeper from the time you were you were born so when you were like a teenager did you get to do all the little extra jobs like help feed um feed the animals and uh that kind of thing or you know because it's not all there, there's loads of jobs within the zoo as well so yeah, did, yeah, you, did you start off and then yeah. realize that you wanted to be a zookeeper no, I, listen, I always knew I wanted to be, that was for sure, because, you know, we were around animals from the time I was a baby with my dad and going up to the zoo at the weekends, and I couldn't wait. But it, like, exactly as you said, my one of my first jobs was, was working at the zoo, cleaning the, and picking up the litter, a very important part of the mm. job. You had to go around, and it was a, and then there was the pet's corner, and the pet's corner was where you could work with, you know, rabbits and guinea pigs and sheep and lamb, and it was a great spawning ground for future keepers because you mm. were learning to work with, you know, domestic animals uh, that May, may need hand rearing or little lambs and whatever was coming in. It was amazing conveyor belt of animals coming through. But you know, it was a great spawning ground. And you know, and or the next day you could be called over to help clean out a big tank or a pool. And so I done every single job that was I was asked to do. I was happy to do because you know you can't you can't be selective. Um, but there's you know every. It's, the zoo is a combination of, of people and that, that's what brings us success to it. You know, we have an incredible horticulture team that, that makes the zoo look beautiful. We've an incredible educational team at Dublin Zoo, like, you know, over 70, 80,000 children pass through in the curriculum every year. Yeah, which yeah. is incredible. And then you have volunteers that are give up their time and help when there's important moments, the marketing. So all these people that combine together. So there's many aspects of zoo life. Of course, the, the, everyone sees the nice one as the animals and working with them. And it is without a doubt the most pleasurable. But there's amazing other, you know, there's plenty of other roles for, for people to consider. You know, market and media is a huge part of the zoo industry. And mm. we have, you know, you have to have a very good marketing team and really good social media people. Your veterinary team has to be, you know, no, you know, 
both exotic and domestic animals. You have to have stores manager that orders food for the animals that that you know locates the food. You have to have your maintenance team. So you know you can still do other jobs that are close to your heart. And um, you might have to be more skilled as as a as a, a technical guy, but and yet be around animals, which is a wonderful environment. So there's many roles within the, what what that, that define a zoo, as I say, from catering right up to the animal keepers to the director. There's so many different roles in a, in a modern zoo now. It's it's incredible because and it's you, a combination. Uh, it is it is a huge combination, and there's a lot of uh, yeah. voluntary work in there as well. And like the zoo does, like um, so need support on not just ticket holders but also external. So the the marketing side of things is is reliant on uh, getting more donors and, and things like that as well. So it's not, people People just say we're buying a ticket and that's what is keeping the zoo going. There's, there's a lot of costs behind it. But when you were doing all these different jobs, how did you, because you work with uh, elephants, that's your... Well, yeah, that's where I ended up with Fiona, but you know, I was operations manager at Dublin Zoo. Um, I was team leader and operations manager. So elephants, big cats, all the ape species were all, and the bears, wolves were all under my my domain when as a team leader. Then I got I got um, promoted to operations manager, which was all the animals and grounds were under my my care and managing teams of 50, 60 people, yeah, all across the board. So you know, I I, I just happened to be elephants fascinated me, which I talk about quite a bit in the book because historically we kept them very badly in zoos. We had mm. the the biggest animal in the smallest concrete area with bars and lack of movement. Elephants can travel 50, 60 kilometers in the wild. Like, for example, today in the Alliance Zoo where I am, we have a magnificent safari. So we went out this morning long before the elephants come out. We created a massive big mud wallow. We had food where they had to go searching and climbing over mounds and hills. Motivational movement, searching, stretching, bending, climbing hills, social interaction, swimming together in the pool. So different to the old days where the animals were just put on show. They were gawked at. And thankfully, we've left that behind. But zoos, zoos need, need to continue to evolve and they need to continue to develop. And they are. And, and Dublin Zoo is at the epicenter of that kind of you know, progressive movement. Like you just mentioned, the, that new conservation house, the IUCN conservation house, um, where Dublin Zoo and the director, Christoph, is very, very um, you know, conservation orientated. He's an excellent, you know, track in, in conservation and he wants to do so much more at home and abroad because everybody considers conservation. If you say conservation to people and particularly students, they tend to say, oh yeah, that's a problem in Africa or the Brazilian rainforest. Mm. Ireland has huge, huge conservation issues with with species and plants and that needs management and care and, uh, and support. So, you know, conservation starts at home and then, so, you know, it's good for for the zoo to be leading the way on that. So I congratulate them. A lot has changed even since I, I've left, but it's always a place that will be dear to my heart and I'll always be there to support it. And it's it it's doing tremendous work. And, and zoos generally are now. They are 
conservation centers that you know are, are reaching out and their tentacles are going all to communities all across the globe they're educating they're doing great work the species that are kept in there are, are endangered species mm. um you know i'm also working with howlett's wild animal park in the uk as the consultant on a project there where um hopefully next year we would be releasing 13 elephant africa 13 african elephants back to kenya to the wild now they won't be just dropped oh. into the wild they'll go to a reserve <laughs> first but it's a world first it's the first time that they've gone they've gone back and here like where i'm working in the alliance zoo the arabian oryx was saved from extinction extinction at this zoo and released back to the wild so you know we need more of that we need more of it we need it to be happening on a much more regular basis but we are seeing and i am seeing and i travel to many zoos globally um as a consultant i'm seeing such a beautiful increase in 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 wellness and caring and designing for animals now now we look at the animal its biology its physiology you know it's how it lives how it interacts with the environment the social groupings it lives in we plan for this resource movement as i mentioned where they come out they have purpose they have meaningful lives that they have life plans depending when they're young whether whether mm. puberty whether geriatric all their life stages are managed now to where where kindness and care are, are, are at the forefront of, of, of what we do so you know we have to keep going you know um and i i implore the people support your local zoo support dublin zoo the work it's doing is tremendous you know mm. i mean there's been uh, and I, I, I can't, you know, I've seen it. I, I've been there in the 80s. I was there as a young kid when we were going to supermarkets on a Friday and Saturday to collect this, the bread that wasn't wasn't sold. To, you know, I remember they used to have these fancy salad displays and, yeah. you know, that for people coming in where they scoop up some coleslaw and they'd, we would take all the remaining salads and bring it up to feed the animals because the zoo was so poor. You know, and then it went through this one, which again, it's a lot of it's in the book. We went through this wonderful cycle of 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 support. We had some fantastic directors, Peter Wilson, who 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 worked with the government at the time to to get funding and extra land in Arisanukdoran, um, made us reinvent ourselves. Then we got some money. Bertie Ahern was the Taoiseach. Money was given to the zoo, and then in the early two thousands. We had a director called Leo Oosterweigel came in. Leo had a lot of international experience, uh, a very shrewd man, a very smart man, but he had a very clear vision of where the zoo needed to be. And mm. he built the infrastructure, got the infrastructure right, start designing for animals, brought us on a journey with him, and, and uh, he brought in people from the USA, Jones and Jones. But he brought it. I learned so much you know, during that era. That's what got me where I am today. You know, now I'm 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 educating people because I've, I I was lucky enough to be to be in that era of the zoo and where where we had such a visionary director and 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 to take us to where we were going, and you know we had a wonderful team of dedicated people and and you know. It was, you know, there was a time in the 80s when you'd be taken off your uniform going home because you were almost embarrassed because people were complaining about the polar bears going back to back and forward in a stereotypical behavior because of the monkeys on concrete floors, because mm. of the lack of space to a point where you were walking around as proud as punch with your uniform because, you know, we had changed. And, and which I mentioned in the book too, the Zoo TV program was a real catalyst for people understanding what we were doing. Yeah. And 
it was amazing because, you know, it's one of the longest running zoo TV shows in the world now. It's going into its 12th, 13th year with Shane Brennan and, and Moondance Productions. They've been part of our team and, and we're there. And, and what happened was, and again, it was Leo Ustavagel, the director, who was adamant when he had opportunities to, 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 to sanction and allow a show many times, but he said, no, we're not ready. We're not ready. We're not ready. Cause he wanted the cameras to be able to go in the back and the, anywhere behind the scenes and people say, okay, that looks good or it's, it's appropriate and it's right for the animals. So mm. all this thing, all this was put right before Leo gave the, the green light for it to happen. But I never forget what talking to him and he said, Jerry, what it will be will be honesty. It will be an honest account of zoo life. It will not be all about baby animals, cute little baby animals. And and he was true to his word because we had some really you know sad scenes of animals, iconic animals. Sheila the lioness, who was there for over twenty years in the zoo. Yeah. Yeah, she was euthanized and put asleep live on television. Next day, all the people, how are the keepers? Is everybody okay? We had a monkey carrying her dead baby for two days because she she wanted to see if it would come alive. But this is zoo life. This is the reality of zoo life. And this was depicted in the show so, so well. And then, like, people would stop you on the street and say, Jesus, that's a really is an emotional roller coaster show that, you know, uh, you don't know whether to be laughing or crying. But that's yeah. exactly what we wanted. But it, 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 and it, for me, it, culturally, it changed the zoo so much because we mm-hmm. were saying to the people, listen, when you come to the zoo, it's their home. You're not, you come, you, they're first, you come second. Be yeah. respectful. You know, they're not, it's not a circus. They don't, they're not there to perform. If you don't see the animal, come back later on. Watch exactly, them, yeah. embrace them. And that's so. And I, I, I went from the 80s when I was a kid where people were coming in with bags of fruit and throwing them into the monkeys to people coming in and being kind and asking questions and saying, Oh, tell us about the animals. And they followed the story on the zoo TV show and they became part of it. They knew Harry the gorilla, they knew, you know, Bernardina the, the, the elephant, they knew Wendy the chimpanzee, and they would ask, they would ask you questions. So, you know, what the show done was a powerful insight into the reality of zoo life. And but what people seen and um, was the passion, and that's why for the students, you know, you become so engrossed in this job. It's a beautiful job to have. And but people seen the passion and the dedication. You know, there was times two, three, four in the morning, I'd have to get up out of my bed. Not just me, you had plenty of keepers and go into the zoo to treat a sick animal or, mm. or watch or watch, you know, something happening or, or be there to support an animal. So, you know, you, you never really switch off. You know, it's not yeah. a nine to five job. You know, you're there and you're and thankfully now with modern technology was brilliant because that changed a lot because um, when, when I was operations manager, I would have on my phone. Uh, all the cameras of the animal habitats. Now we put in CCTV so we can observe from the hours we're not there and we could watch the animals, watch the relationships, who's sleeping with who, what, who's feeding, you know, and, and, and if we had to make adjustments, we would do that, you know, based on the, what, what we would. So what happened and what that means was we were now, we were now managing al- animals over a 24 hour period. We were not just turning the key when we went home and, Hoping uh, we were looking in at the elephants. Yeah, the would have a fight with each other and yeah, but, like, the next morning and seeing <laughs> seeing the aftermath. But technology is a wonderful thing. Like we had a system, we have a system called feed pods, and you would look in at the elephants. And feed pods is an electronic automated feeding system. So you would look in. I actually done it one time. This is the truth. I was flying home from America, and I looked in at Opalita Bowl. I was thirty three thousand feet up in the air. I looked at Opalita on the camera. 
he was starting to rise and I was able to send in a text for the machine to feed him and it scattered out the food to him, sent me back a text, Jerry, hopefully has been fed. Like that's the kind of tech... You know, that's the kind of technology that we're, we're harvesting now. And we're, so the animals have 24-hour care. So it's mm. not like, the, you know, the old because uh, that's what used to sadden me. And when I was a young keeper in the 80s, you would close the door at 5 o'clock and I would say, you know, it's not going to get any better now till I come in in the morning. Now with proper design and the habitats, animals have choice, opportunity, control over their own day. They now go outside when they want. They come in when they want. They have autonomy. They have everything. And then what I what I know now is when all the zoos that I'm working in, what I what I make sure happens is that when we go home, the whole place just comes alive. It becomes alive yeah. of opportunities. And so you know, for this morning, like for example, here at Alain Zoo, for I watched the elephants for over three hours, and it was an incredible experience. I meant nothing to them. I was non-existent in their life. I, they didn't care. In the old days, the, uh, the animals would see and say, oh, here's the keeper. Hopefully something's going to happen. But I, for me now, this is the success. Jerry means nothing now. Now, they okay. don't know that this morning I was there making sand wallows, making brows with the team, hiding all these food artifacts. So what we were doing is you're, you're creating for all the opportunities for them to express natural behavior. But So it's just the encounter, all the food sources, everything that elephants do, the socialization together. And just to see them for this three hours this morning in Alenzo, I said, wow, we're, we're really, this was exactly like the wild elephants behaving together. The cohesion, okay. they played together, they rolled in the mud together, they touched one another. They're very touchy, they're very old factory. They, were, they broke trees that we had planted. They broke down branches. They, they rolled down the sand mounds after going into the water. They trumpeted together, they celebrated, they walked along together. But Jerry meant nothing in their life. So that's exactly the way it should be now, that they're not depending or watching the keeper to see what's going to happen. So, you know, we're, we're giving them motivation, giving them reason to explore every single inch of the area. Maybe if I flip over this rock over here, there could be an apple underneath it. Sometimes there is, sometimes there's not. And yeah. then you sometimes you create a little bit of disappointment, but through that disappointment, they go on and search somewhere else. And yeah. eventually, eventually they find this big jackpot of food and then the herd comes together and feed as it naturally would in the wild. So this is the dynamic approach that we have now, Fiona. And I mentioned that quite a bit in the book. So, you know, I mean, as I say, the, the book is a great true life story of, of a kid from inner city Dublin that wanted to get out there, wanted to make a difference for animals, wanted to, I had a usually successful career in Dublin Zoo. It's a zoo that I'll always love. It'll always be close to my heart, but I'd outgrown that role. Now I'm, I'm, a, I'm a global ambassador. I'm working with elephants in many different countries. As I say, these elephants from UAE, they had to be taken from the wild because of human-elephant conflict. And they yeah. were dropped here. So now I, 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 I'm creating a lifestyle that's so similar to the, what they're living like in the wild. I'm involved in hopefully elephants going back to the wild. And I do so many other things too. Like when I'm back in Dublin, I help, you know, with, with the DSPCA or Dublin City Council and um, with dangerous dogs. I have to dart dogs and go into some terrible situations where dogs are not being catered for or cared for. So it certainly is an exciting role. It certainly is, you know, it's been an, an incredible adventure and it's all depicted so well in the book. Uh, did you ever ask your dad why or how he got into the zoo because obviously you oh, started yeah, but... because of your dad but do you think if your dad didn't work in the zoo this would have been the path you would have taken anyway 
Yeah, you had you see it, Cuddy. It's it's very hard to imagine. I mean, the affinity with animals. But my dad again. There's a the the book intro is very much about his generation in the zoo and how he started. His family were Guinness's family, and um, his father worked in Guinness's. But he kind of told his dad, you know, it was all lined up for my dad to go to Guinness's. But he said no, he wanted the zoo. And look, you know, for them days, he we we live or he lived in the local area. I lived later on in in in, in Ivor Street. And they used to take on pony boys on the summertime because in them days, there was a great source of revenue for the zoo was yeah. giving little pony rides. So my dad started as a pony boy. And then nice. that, he was hooked. And then he was hooked. And then he met my mom there. They got married. He met my mom in the restaurant. She worked in the restaurant. So we, we're, we're, we're just so connected with the zoo for so long. And so, I, I yeah, I, listen, there was a time I, I was a you know very good amateur boxer. And... um. My dad then, I used to, one time, my dad was saying, oh, like, the zoo wasn't a pretty place then. It needed help. No, listen, no. you need to get a better job. You need to go. And they wanted me to go. There was a, an apprentice glazer. And I said, I can't be a glazer. If I cut me hand, me, I won't be able to box anymore. That was my excuse. But, but my dad... <laughs> My dad could see me passion, and then you know, and there's no, there's been no regrets. It's been a constant, you know, a constant flow of of design. You know, in in terms of my personal career, it's just excel. And I, I, I like it was a scary part for me when, which I mentioned in the book. Like I've been in the zoo for so long, and but there was new management. You know, I worked with the previous director, and when new management comes, new change. And I just said, now is the time if I'm ever going to do it to be a consultant globally, mm. and. I was nervous, and I, I never forget driving out of zoo that final day, and I pulled in up the park, and I got really upset, and I said, you know, I felt like I was letting the animals down, and I was betraying them, and why have I done this? But the phone just started ringing the next day. Jerry, we hear that you're a consultant now. Can you come here? I went to San Diego. I've been to China. I've been right. to Israel. I've been to UAE. I've been to England. I've been to France. I've been to Germany. and so many zoos, and... And people just love my energy and, and my modern philosophy for how we need to improve things for animals and, and, and you know, and, and to be a zookeeper and to support zoos. I will continue to do that. I'll always be a zookeeper at heart. And I'm a consultant. I'm a zookeeper. And yeah. it, it's just been an incredible journey. You know, I, I love the work that zoos are doing around the world. You know, you, can, you know, people just randomly say, oh, a zoo is awful without even checking out the good work that they're doing. You know, don't be. That's anachronistic. Don't just say it for mm -hmm. the sake of saying it. There is no such thing as the wild Fiona anymore. Or it's yeah. certainly limited. You know, but we have to try protect what's left of the wild, try to pull back exactly. from the devastation that we're causing and creating down there. And zoos are the way forward. Zoos are the sanctuaries now for many, many species. And zoos will be their lifeline. And zoos will hopefully be the way that we can reintroduce them back to the wild in the future when these countries become stable. But, you know, we need to get the climate under control. We need to get so much under control. That's, yeah. that's the key. But it's all, it's a, every, everything that is connected. And if we all looked after one piece of it and, and build it like with the zoo and looking after your own local area for environment and, and wildlife and that kind yeah. of thing, everybody does their own little piece. It, it exactly. will make your, life, make your world an awful lot better as well. Exactly. Um, but, you know, there is something I remember, like, you know, when you go and visit the zoo, we, we, we go to Dublin Zoo quite a lot uh, and people in Cork will go to photo okay. wildlife um, but when when you go like I remember the, I remember the bears kind of I think um, and you're and you're like 
thinking back to when you were a kid, well, when I was a kid, uh, back in the 80s and the 90s, when we came over, like, you know, what animals were in the zoo back then and why they're not there now. So there's, I, and I do hear when you're walking around, you do hear other people kind of saying, oh, I remember there was, you know, like you mentioned, the polar bears, or I'm pretty sure there was wolves here, or there was this yeah. here, or there was that here. And like species do change within within the zoo as well. Um yeah. Some of them stay forever, like the elephants and the gorillas and the chimps. But there are and the orangutans. There, I mean, like they're they're part of the zoo. Is I love I love going there. My but there would be those species would change. Like, males and females would change for breeding purposes. But you know yeah. exactly. But in the eighties and them days, seventies, eighties, a lot of it was done through animal dealing. There was animal dealers, yeah. and they would they would supply zoos. But thankfully, that's all gone now. Now there's 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 a thing called EASA, which is the European Association of Zoos and Aquariums. I think it's about okay. I think it's four hundred and fifty five hundred zoos work collectively. Every year they meet, they have a strategy. This animal needs help. Let's work together to save it. You know, they, mm. they, they all work collectively. It's all the zoos working together. They don't deal with animal dealers. They don't sell animals. There's no monetary value put on animals. It's all done through proper international agreements that secure and make sure the keepers and the, or the animals are safe in this process. The animals are, will never get into Ill illegal hands. They will only go to standard zoos, that zoos have the same standards guidelines, principles for taking care of animals. So it, it's a wonderful organization, IAZA, and the same and the smaller person is Biaza. And they are like almost like they're governing the zoos and everybody buys into their philosophies and buys into the agreement of working together for the betterment of the species and for the, for, for improving standards and welfare across across the zoos in, in all over the world. And we're, we're so, so we're talking to transition year students and senior cycle students. Um, uh, we speak with them on a very regular basis. Um, and I know you've gone into schools as well. Um, but there's only there's only one of you, Jerry. <laughs> if we could if we could photocopy and have a few of you going around, that would be fantastic. But I know everybody in the zoo has you know in whatever zoo, if it's photo wildlife or the zoo here in Dublin or Belfast or even in the UK, it doesn't matter where you are, can they, can schools reach out to the zoo to have, would, would people come from, I know you go to schools, are you yeah, happy? But as I say, Dublin Zoo has an absolutely incredible education team, and and yeah. they, they 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 do like they do the biology modules. They do everything um, for schools to come in, and they take them out to the park for to look at biodiversity. So that's what the, you know. It's the schools can reach out to the educational department of Dublin Zoo have who have some incredibly informative educational um, programs for, for specifically tailored for, 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 for schools of all different ages. The zoo has its educational format has, has just excelled in, in, in recent years. You know, uh, uh, Aileen Tennant is, is the head of um, that department now, and, and she's got a very passionate team. They reach out to schools all over the country. They provide, you know, because it's about education. They provide yeah. some incredible workshops, and, 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 and they've got lot, lots of supported resources to help zoos, so, or to help schools, excuse me. So go and reach out to the education department at Dublin Zoo. It's a phenomenal um, it doesn't energy. Matter where, it doesn't matter where you are in the country. There, there Absolutely is a not. 
there's a way of connecting and yeah they can do zoom uh, they do zoom classrooms and school and schools love coming to the zoo anyway and then yeah. they can they can meet them but they they have they have educational programs tailor made to fit the requirements from from babies right up to to leave insert right up to college students it covers everything that's what the modern zoo does and dublin zoo's education program is particularly vibrant and you and and go, going on your own career. So you you you're a zookeeper. You were a zookeeper. You will always be a zookeeper. Uh, like you said, even though you're a consultant now, you've been on the telly. You've done the educational side with with RT Junior as well. Uh, you yeah. didn't just do the zoo program. Um, so people, our our uh, viewers will will recognise you from lots of lots of TV work. Yeah. Anyway, Jerry, and then and then obviously the natural progression in that side of it is write a book um which i know is going to be under my christmas tree this year anyway it's very hard not to sneak right through and read the whole book uh but i did have a sneaky view uh, look at it there and it is a very exciting book like did somebody convince you to do it or was it a natural step for you to to know I have to, it was always in the back of my mind, but I kind of felt I was still a bit too young that I would do it closer to my retirement. But then Gil Books, Gil Books actually approached me. They said, Jerry, can we meet with you? Um, I said, yeah, sure. So we met at the Shelburne Hotel. They said, listen, Jerry, have you ever thought of writing a book? I said, I have. I said, but I, I, I was waiting for a couple more years because I've started a consultancy now and I still think I have a lot more stories to tell. And, and they mm. said, no, listen, we've been following you. And just like you said, Fiona, I said, we've been following you for years and um, from your, 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 from being on the den and, and zig and zag and every TV program. I was on the Late Late Show a few times to what you've done with the Zoo TV program, your boxing career. And we just think it's a great story. Would you consider it? I said, yeah, yeah. so anyway, listen, when they, they supported me, they showed me what to do. Gills were amazing. Um, what happened is then they put me with a ghostwriter, Louise, the great on, and she's been amazing. She's a real dub too. We hit it off straight away. And they, I, would, I would be traveling away and I'd be talking into my phone and sending her all the voice messages. Then she would type it up and, re, and then she'd say, read over that. And I'd say, no, change that. That doesn't sound like yeah. me. And so we'd done that over whatever, six, ten months. And then, you know, and wow. we, we and you know, because it was very important that my story came through, but I didn't actually have it physically right. And I just spent hours and hours and hours giving voice files over. So, you know, and, and Gills were amazing. Louise was amazing. The response has been amazing. Like, it's been nominated. It was nominated for Biography of the Year in itself, which was a phenomenal achievement. So we were just been... recently at a, an award ceremony. Yeah, that's it. That was it. So, you know, listen, I, I'm very lucky where I am. I'm very happy where I am. It's It's been an amazing journey. And, and there's still so much I can do. There's still so much I want to do for animals and elephants around the world. My company, Globe and Elephant Care, is going from strength to strength. We're making a difference. And we're going to continue to do that. And we're going to be the voice voice for the elephant and keep keep shouting loud or trumpeting loud. And can people get in touch with you about your own consultancy and how and how you know like getting involved in that side of it? Maybe not going down the zoo route, but you know, yeah, the, the absolutely. I, I I'm always there. I mean, the people can follow me on Facebook. I have you'll see my page. I put up elephant stuff all the time. Follow me if you want to ask me questions. 
absolutely. I'm always get back to you. I'll always answer anyone that wants to know about animals. But feel free for all the for them to follow me on 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 the face my Facebook page. Some great stuff I put up every day about animals and and particularly elephants and videos and and really nice animal stories, educational, all the things that's happening around the world with with, with the species and what we can do to help them. So yeah, please feel free. And if anyone has a message, just you know go through that. Get contact me on Messenger or whatever. I'll always be happy to reply. Yeah, what we can also do is put out there um, to students and teachers if they have any questions after watching the podcast uh, to send them on in. Um, We'll put links down the bottom. They can either contact you directly or they can come through TY Hub. Um, We can have we can have more chats about it. I think you're, you're there for a few weeks. Are you going to be home for Christmas? Yeah, uh, well, at the moment, I'm, I'll probably be here for Christmas, but thankfully, my family are coming over now. Where we oh, just be planted. My family are going to come over and they're going to spend it in the desert with me and Mia and Mia and Zach and and my wife Leona. Um, but Mia uh, and Zach and, and particularly Mia, Mia is showing great aptitude. She loves the elephants. She's been with me on some jobs, so she's looking forward. There's a baby. There's an elephant here called Bahati who was born in the zoo ten months ago, and Bahati um, is an Afrikaner mean word that means she who brings happiness. And she really did bring happiness yeah. to the herd here. And my daughter Mia named her, so she's coming to finally meet her. Oh, brilliant! Oh, that's yeah. lovely. Yeah, and, it, so. and it's and like that for your whole family. It's new experiences as well. Yes, like exactly. when, you're, when you're going along, you're you're learning. You're going. You're traveling the world with this. It's not you know at home. Uh, there's there's lots of opportunities. Uh, you were talking about when we were chatting earlier on about Nairobi and elephants being moved and and you know from from the uk over to being reintroduced into the wild in in africa that's just you know like all these amazing stories your passion is just it it it's infectious like you are you're so you're you're contagious with it but it's it's a good contagion so um, you know we uh, i know we all loved watching the zoo and on the den and oh god zigzag remember them i don't know how you know uh, the den was like too absolute mayhem <laughs> i remember the first time i went in and i kind of had my little script and i'll say this and i'll say that after about a minute i said forget it because they were just <laughs> off the wall and then it was so much fun like then i used to go out nearly every week with them and which was great we just to have a laugh but it was always good to try to get a little message across and you know that's that that's what i love about that the, they'd be given the opportunity now and and thank Thanks for saying what you're saying about because my passion is is my passion. It really is what I want to get that message across, and I'll help anyone. And and I, it could be a small audience of, of of kindergarten kids, or I could be talking to government ministers, or I could be in America talking to CEOs. My passion is always the same. It's to get the message across that we can do more. Well, we do you know I'd love to have more chats with you if you want to come over, you know, like Absolutely. come on again and and tell us a bit more about the, the following couple of weeks that you're going to have now. I, no um, problem. Uh, how, no problem. How are you getting on with the with the elephants over there? Keep sure. in touch and, and let us know what's got. Well, I always I'm, I'm following you anyway, so I'm, yeah. I'm no, absolutely, Fiona. Every <laughs> every couple of mo- every couple of months, let's every couple of months, let's do an update. I'd be delighted because I've always every I've also I'll also some stories and and maybe the next time we can do kind of a presentation on Zoom and I can show you some pictures and some facilities and some videos that will be absolutely breathtaking of the work that that's happening. We'll we'll uh, we'll have a chat off air about what we can do uh, in the future. We definitely sure. definitely love to be chatting with you again. Um, take care in the 
in the heat over there while we're yeah. uh, we're we're about to get hit with the snow according to that Aaron. So that is, uh, <laughs> totally just, different just, place for us. Just, just what you want, the red-headed Irish man stuck in the desert. <laughs> <I> know, <yeah. laughs>